Today on the Trey Cole Show, we are joined by a very special guest all the way from Los Angeles, California. She is the host of Out of Context. She is going to be interning this summer in D.C. for Concerned Women of America, and she is currently interning at Blexit. You can find her on Instagram at Noelle Fitch or at the link below. Noelle, thanks for coming on. So, Noelle, you are less than a year into being more outspoken and really coming on the political scene. Um, can you tell us kind of what happened, how you really got into politics, and what sparked this desire to share your political views with others? Yeah, so I was actually, um, last year, I was pretty le- left-leaning socially. Um, not so much, I was never a socialist, but on social issues I did lean pretty left. And um, I remember I had a discussion with my parents about white privilege and I could not prove my point. And that was embarrassing and humbling because that had never happened before. And so that sent me down a spiral of learning and finding people like Thomas Sowell, who I'd never really heard of, just brilliant minds who offered a unique perspective, all based on factual evidence. It was never emotion with Thomas Sowell, still never is. He's amazing. Um, so that really changed my mind. And also I made a TikTok video that did very well and I got doxxed pretty badly. And so one of my friends told me, you know, people can't hurt you unless you let them. So I decided I'm gonna be 10 times as louder and always be kind because I never wanted to give them a reason for, I never want to retaliate and give them a reason, like validate the thing, the evil things they were saying. Mm-hmm. So um, I just was extra kind to them, went out of my way to be extra kind to them on the internet and um, just was even louder. And it's been amazing uh, just to meet people who from different parts of the country, from different parts of the world. I have a friend from um, Nigeria who messaged me and found one of my videos. So it's just really cool to just meet people from all over and them um, just encourage me to keep talking. And I'm just learning so much. And I think it's just been amazing just to learn um, so much from so many people. That's really cool. So you have a very wide reach then. Like you you reach people in a lot of different countries, I guess. That's is so awesome. I mean, it's like, it's very few in between. I'm not like always meeting people from different countries, but the rare times that it happens, it's a blessing. Just, it's very, it's very encouraging. I find it really interesting that a lot of people that like are not American have no stakes in what America does. Mm-hmm. They're still very interested in American politics. Yeah, that always gets me. It blows my mind. Right? Like, I don't understand. I don't care about other countries' <laughs> politics. I don't know anything about other countries' politics. Yeah. So why do they... <laughs> Even ca- why do know. they watch this podcast or like follow you on Instagram? And most of the time, sense. they're saying negative things about America. So I'm like, if That's you hate true. it so much, why are you paying so yeah. much attention? Why do you care? <laughs> I don't know. It's okay, haters are gonna hate. It happens. Yeah. Um, but so you were talking to your parents about white privilege. What did they say to you that really made you think and change your mind? Um. Well, I think it was more so that I just could not answer their questions um Mm. that really just made me think because growing up my family was very big on teaching us real history um and just calling out the good and the ugly and so the fact that i could not prove my point and that i just had i left with so many more questions (laughs) um i think that really that really sparked something so that yeah, that had a big effect. And especially as a Christian, you know, you want to pursue truth. And so 
I wanted to find out, okay, am I pursuing truth or am I just letting my emotions and following my heart, which is so deceitful <laughs> and, um, and not fact-checking, not being diligent to mm-hmm. pursue truth. And so, yeah, not having an answer. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. not having an answer to that question has taken you a long way since then. Yeah. Like, you now, you are on your way back to Los Angeles from speaking at a conference in yeah. Florida. That's crazy. Could you ever imagine that that's something that you would have been doing a year ago? No, not at all. And I think uh, I really didn't get into it until October. So it's so new for me and I'm still learning so much. But my mind's constantly blown because I was pre-med, did everything to be pre-med. I was, got polished, did everything to be pre-med. And God was just like, nope, I'm going to have you do this, which was something I was so against doing. And so it's been such an adventure and such a blessing, so humbling and just an incredible learning opportunity. So it's exciting. It's an adventure. Yeah, that's so cool. Um, so what are some of the ways that you impact people, that you reach people? Um, so I have a TikTok, but I'm trying to <laughs> trying to drift away from that. Um, it's more so just my raw opinionated rants. Um, but I do a lot of stuff on Instagram, so I did a series on white privilege. More so the things that my white leftist professors were saying that I found offensive. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted my friends, more so my, my friends of my community, to know that what they're saying is not to help you. It's insulting. It's going to negatively impact your mental health. Um, they're not helping minorities. They're just making things worse for our communities and speaking on issues they have no idea what they're saying. Um, and they're invalidating other voices too. So I did that whole series. That did very well. Um, I also have a podcast. Um, but yeah, I do a few things. I'm involved with PragerU. They've really took me under their wing, and so I get to make some reels for them, meet some more PragerU student, uh, students. Uh, it's been really cool because some of them will send me their infographics and ask me to look at them and give them feedback. So that's always that's so cool. fun. Yeah, it's cool because I remember asking my friends, like, hey, I want to start posting content. Can you look at this? And now I get to help them and so encourage them because it's scary. Yeah. It's scary being open, especially, you know, the cancel culture. So it's cool to be able to be there for them. And um, so many people poured into me. So it's really cool. It's involved in a lot of stuff. So that's so cool. And so you mentioned you started your podcast, right? Mm-hmm. Um, your podcast is called Out of Context. Can you just kind of explain it to us a little bit about what it is, what your heart behind Out of Context is? and what listeners are going to get from it. So I started out of context because I was so tired of people taking my words out of context, Um, especially like I would get called a white supremacist when I'm not even white. Those people are Um, very confused. Or like they'd say like, go back to your country. And I'm like, only half of me is from another country. (laughs) Like my grandma, my mom's side is their immigrants, um, which is beautiful. And that's a whole nother thing. But Um, So yeah, people just say a lot of ignorant things and I'm so tired of it because they just assume things about me Mm -hmm. Um, And my I'm not even I don't even have a big following so I'm like I can't imagine how other people feel so I wanted to have a platform where I can say what I want and say it entirely and not and have say it in a length because 60 seconds is not enough yeah I can say it in a length that I can just get everything off my chest um, and also, I'm, I don't like when people lie or like inflate things um, because it just adds to an echo chamber and the right and the left both do this. And so I wanted a space where I can call out both and I can, um, my goal is to reach people on the other side and those in the middle. 
So, I mean, we talked about, I had a DACA recipient come on and share her stance on immigration, which is very unique. People should listen to it. I don't want to ruin it, but it's a very unique perspective, one that people would not think a DACA recipient would have. And so I try to amplify, because the left's all about amplifying voices. So I want to amplify voices, but voices that they would never dare to amplify. Because yeah. the, voice, the, the voices that they amplify are the voices we hear every day. So I want to amplify voices that are unique that offer a unique perspective and it's nonpartisan, just free thinking um and so i have people from all walks of life i had during the asian hate crimes and all of that going on um that a lot of that was taken out of context the whole thing with the columbia graduation that was taken out of context so i try to i don't want to add to echo chamber so i won't just release something an episode just to release it i'll make yeah. sure, i want to make sure i have something to bring to the table. I don't want to waste people's time. So I try to bring a unique perspective and um, try to give people practical tools that they can use as conversation starters um, and just to be able to allow people to free think. You know, the goal is not to convert people to a political side. Mm -hmm. The goal is to get people to think for themselves. So That's really cool. And I think that's something that you do really well on your podcast. Like you said, you bring in a lot of unique voices from a lot of different walks of life. And that's one thing that I've really enjoyed from your podcast is getting to hear perspectives that the media doesn't put out, right? They don't push those out on the left or the right, really, mm -hmm. um, unless it's politically convenient. Yeah. And so I think that you do a really good job of bringing all kinds of people in and just listening to what they have to say and really giving them a platform to share what they believe and why they believe it. And I think that's a really cool um, opportunity that you have and a really cool opportunity that you've taken advantage of. Um, so I highly recommend if you have not heard of Noelle before, you should definitely go check out her podcast. It is absolutely incredible. It's something that I listen to every time you come out and just am amazed every time you have a guest on just their their perspective and just how well you you amplify their voices. So that's a really, really great thing that you do, and I, I really appreciate that. Um, and I think you do a great job of, of reaching others. Thanks. And so... <laughs> One thing that you talk about a lot, and we talked about it a second ago, is mm -hmm. white privilege, right? You had a <laughs> you had a whole series on Instagram about white privilege and why it was bad. Mm -hmm. So can you just explain to us why you don't believe in white privilege and why you think it's wrong? So I'll try to explain it without getting heated, <laughs> but... Um, so I, I think that there's a wealth privilege in America, and I think that we can address that because I think there's a wealth privilege that disproportion, disproportionately affects minorities, but it can, same effect, it can have the same effect on white people. Um, it's just, for example, a good example is a criminal justice system and how having a lot of money can impact your sentence. And so I think we can call out those things, call out those discrepancies without using a blanket term like white privilege. Because mm -hmm. a white privilege is literally, and people get mad at me for saying this, it's white supremacy rebranded. Because white supremacy, the foundational belief that both of them share is that white skin is inherently better. And I say that because the author of white privilege, Peggy McIntosh, said that white privilege is an invisible backpack, is an invisible backpack full of tools that white people have to make their lives easier to navigate society. Well, what tools do you have that I don't have? Like, it makes no sense whatsoever. Um, I have, you know, white friends who are poor. I have black friends who are much wealthier than them. And to say that the color of your skin is solely tied 
to your outcome and your performance is false. It's a huge generalization. Even when you look at the, um, people always like to ask me, well, what about the, the wealth disparity? 70% of the population in America, a little bit over that is white. So of course, white people are going to have more of the money because there's more white people. But even if you look at the average income for households based off of race, white people make just a little over $60,000. Indian Americans make around $70,000. Chinese Americans, um, what's um there's another i forgot who was taiwanese americans filipino americans they make roughly eighty thousand. so it's like white people make less and people ask me well what about brown and black people well the issue isn't about that and they always try to divert it the issue is you're saying your claim your claim is that dark skin equals a poor way of living dark skin equals that you will make less money when clearly the facts don't show that indian americans and filipino americans can make 80 to 90 to 110 thousand dollars a year why can't black and hispanic americans do that it's right. a work ethic it's personal responsibility and that doesn't mean that we turn a blind eye to issues in those communities we can still help them without using these blanket terms that are just racist that are just saying that white skin is better because when a, a professor or a white person tells a minority that they that they have white privilege or that they're sorry for their white <laughs> privilege you're just telling me that that you're better than me you're telling mm -hmm. me that that no matter how hard i try in life that i'm never going to equate to a white person which is not true at all and so that narrative just it doesn't help anyone it's a blanket term and it causes more issues than it solves so. yeah i i agree and i think that um, like it's a, a white savior complex, right? Yeah. Which I think is more racist than anything, mm -hmm. is that I, a white person, am saying that you, a minority, need me. You cannot succeed unless I step in and help you because I am white. Mm -hmm. Like I have the advantage, therefore I am obligated to fix all of your problems because you are not capable of fixing them on your own. Mm -hmm. When that is not the reality. You, as a woman who is a minority, can is just as capable of fixing your life's problems and more capable of fixing your life's problems than I, mean, I am I of fixing your you problems. I pick, pick your outfit, so I mean, it seems like <laughs> you really, need my help. You so. really did. I did not know what I was going to wear with that. <laughs> but you have just as much the ability, you have just as much intellect and opportunity as I do as a you know straight, white, Christian male conservative. You know, the, what is wrong with America? <laughs> Those five things, according to the left, is what is wrong. <laughs> You don't need me to succeed. You have all of the tools on your own to succeed and to flourish in life. And I think that the white savior complex is just pushing minorities down mm -hmm. and it makes them think less of themselves. Yeah. And I think that is the reason why you see a lack of work ethic and um, just the, the hurt that you see in a lot of those minority communities mm -hmm. is because they've been told they're not capable of things that they are perfectly capable of. Yeah. And if you tell a lie to someone for long enough, eventually to them, it becomes truth. Mm -hmm. And I think that is the most disheartening and most saddening thing that I, from an outside perspective, see um, that the white savior complex does to minorities. Yeah. Because, like I said, you are just as capable of succeeding in life as I am. Your race, your gender has nothing to do with that. Mm -hmm. And that's what hurts me the most is... <laughs> people begin to not see their value anymore. Mm -hmm. They don't realize that um, they are created in the image of God and that God values them with their color of skin 
just as much as he values me with my white skin. Yeah. Right? No more and no less. Yeah. And like one of my favorite quotes by um, Samuel Sway. I always say it wrong. Samuel Sway, Samuel Sway. He's, a, he's amazing. Um, and he had tweeted, I'm fearfully and wonderfully black. You're fearfully and wonderfully white. And he just expounded on that. And it was just so beautiful. And because the Bible does say like God created us um, with intention and purpose. The, God made you white. Like he didn't make a mistake when he made you. Just like he made me the color that I am with the family background I have. He made us each intentionally. So when Christians apologize for their whiteness is like why are you apologizing for what god made mm-hmm. god you're saying god made a mistake like no you're fearfully and wonderfully made and our identity and as christians should not be in the color of our skin it should be and who christ has called us to be and there's so many other things about us that make us who we are not just a amount of melanin it's ridiculous right um and i think that's one thing that christians especially need to remember is that your identity christ comes first that's first and foremost everything else is behind that and i think that's why we've seen so much so many progressive christians is they say i'm i'm a brown american i'm a black american i'm Mm -hmm. a white american i'm this and then i'm every then i'm a christian no you are a christian first or they say like i'm a black christian like no you're just a christian i'm a white christian nope you're just a christian exactly period exactly everything after that is secondary Mm -hmm. or like um like i'm an american christian no (laughs) you're a christian first yeah and then you are an american i think that's something that the right struggles with more than the left or they'll say i'm a conservative christian yes no you're you're a christian Christian, and then you are a conservative you're a christian with conservative values or conservative political leanings exactly but it's like just like progressive progressivism is not Christianity. It's a false mm-hmm. doctrine. It's a false gospel. It's a lot of issues with that. <laughs> um, conservative Christianity is not salvation either because mm-hmm. as much as I want people to vote the way I want them to vote, that's not going to get them into heaven. Exactly. <laughs> you know, I want them to fall in love with Jesus. I want them to know that they have purpose, that they're loved, that there's a creator who literally died on the cross for them who wants to just adore them and love them. Um, I want them to know that first and foremost. And as Christians... Who are involved in politics that's something that we should never forget is that um that comes before anything else yeah that's kind of what i always say is man before i convince you to change the way you vote i want to convince you or i want the lord to work through me to show you mm-hmm. that you need jesus and i want that to change your life yeah and then from that if that changes the way you vote man great it must but that time is, it will right exactly mm-hmm. it it maybe should yeah um in some circumstances <laughs> But that's not the main goal. Yeah. Because no matter, Jesus was not a Republican or a Democrat. Mm -hmm. He wasn't a socialist. He was a both. He wasn't an anarchist. Exactly. Mm -hmm. He was here for a higher purpose. Just like we are called for a higher purpose. Mm -hmm. We are called to make Christ known and to know him more. Yeah. And even as we are in politics, that is still our primary mission in life. Mm -hmm. It's not to convince people to vote for or against a candidate, but it's to show them the love of Christ. Yeah, and it doesn't mean that, and I think some Christians kind of take that and run with it in a sense of, well, Christians shouldn't be involved in politics at all. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I had a lot of people telling me that when I started to get involved in politics, but no, like God used Esther and I love Esther because Esther was Jewish and God used her to save the Jewish people and God can still use people in that same sense and and she was that's a political role she was a queen david was a king you look at you know all these people in the bible they were political figures that god used mm-hmm. you know so it's just it's absolutely ridiculous that people say that so it's like you have to be grounded 
you know, but that doesn't just don't go, go to the extremes, you know, like there's right, two exactly. extremes. Well, and I hope that so. it's okay to be a Christian in politics because <laughs> this show is all about politics from a Christian worldview. Yeah. So I'm in trouble if you can't be a Christian and be in politics. Um, but one of the most divisive things right now, kind of going back to the idea of white privilege and just the racial divide that we've seen in our country, the hurt that we have seen in our country, is the new voter ID laws in Georgia. That has sparked so much controversy and so much debate. Mm-hmm. Um, just saying that it's racist that you require voter ID in order to vote, and then the other misconceptions about not being able to hand out food or water, which is just a, a lie that even the left independent independent left fact yeah. checkers have deemed mostly false, mm-hmm. which means uh, outrageously false. Yeah. Um, this debate and this controversy is going on. Can you speak to the the thought of is this a racist idea? Is are these laws racist and are these a second coming of Jim Crow like the media wants to present it as? I think it's racist to say that it's racist because <laughs> I'm going to check the camera real quick so we're going to but pick up after that. Okay. Oh, I thought you were going to say it didn't. I was like, no. no. He's got it still recording. Okay, <laughs> um, so it's racist to say it's racist. Yeah, I think it's racist to say that requiring a voter ID or just an ID in general um, is racist. Because you're li- you're saying that you're saying that minorities are too incompetent, too stupid to have an ID. Mm-hmm. But you need an ID for anything. I need an ID to go to the store. I need an ID for every... I get pulled over, I need an ID. You know, so apparently I can't use a computer either, according to Joe Biden. That's what he thinks. (laughs) But it's just, it's absolutely ridiculous. It's a complete cop-out. It's a way for them to get votes from illegal illegal people. Um, It's a way to say that they're caring, but they're just creating more issues. Because Mm -hmm. the voices should be heard at the ballot box is those of the American people. Brown, black, white, purple, it doesn't matter. Your voice should be heard. And everyone has access to an ID. If you don't, there's several resources to help you get one. Mm -hmm. There's no excuse. And if you don't, there's a lot of things you can't do. Exactly. You can't buy cigarettes. You can't drink alcohol. You can't go buy alcohol. You can't get on a plane. You can't drive. Yeah. These are common things that... Nearly every person in America does. Mm-hmm. So why is it different when you want to go vote? Exactly. It's ridiculous. It, but they always do that. They always say that they care about minorities and then they just create these bigger issues. Um, but yeah, it's absolutely ridiculous. And we should, we really should emphasize on having an ID mm-hmm. um, to make sure that we have integrity in our elections. In any elections, local, mm-hmm. um, federal, it should be... Minorities should want that, um, and I think most of us do, and think it's absolutely ridiculous, but it's the white leftists that often I see pushing for those absolutely ridiculous things. Right, the, the white savior complex, mm-hmm. that's what it is. Yeah, um, exactly. And I even saw a video uh, last week about a guy that went into <laughs> Harlem, you saw that, right? <laughs> yeah, I saw that. And he had asked these white liberals if voter ID laws are racist, and all of them were like, yeah, yeah. That's, that's awful, that's racist. And then the and inner cities, they're like, have an ID. Yeah, everyone has an ID. Like, <laughs> yeah. you go right down the street and you can get an ID. Like, the, the DMV is there. Yeah, it's insulting. It's crazy so insulting. to think that liberals frame this in a way, or the, the left. Yeah, the I would say liberals. Media, yeah, left. left media um, frames this in a way intentionally trying to make conservatives look racist. Mm-hmm. When 
or right. just anyone who wants integrity. Right, exactly. And who wants rules. <laughs> exactly. You know, it's not even just conservatives, just anyone who wants rules. Anyone that disagrees with anything that, that they say. Yeah. They want to paint as horrible, awful people. Yeah. And exactly. I think that is the biggest division in our country. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the reason. is because we have two completely polarized sides that don't care about each other, don't love one another, and mm-hmm. don't even see the humanity in one another Yeah. at this point. Like, a lot of conservatives, they won't be friends with liberals. Mm-hmm. And some of that is because they're, you know, afraid to voice their opinion because they will, they're afraid they'll be hurt or insulted or not liked. Um, and there's some merit to that in some situations. But the vast majority of Americans don't care about your political belief. Yeah. They care about who you are as a person. See, I'm from L.A., so it's mainly leftists that don't want to be friends with conservatives. It's still L.A. here. (laughs) Just anyone who thinks differently. I think, you know, the conservatives have a lot of flaws as well. But I think in terms of befriending people, most of the time people will just be quiet and hide it, you Mm -hmm. know? Um, I, I can't do that. It's not yeah, in me. I mean, I used to, but it's kind of <laughs> too late now. Now there's no going back. But, um, but yeah, people, the cancel culture is really bad. People mm-hmm. just need to be able to love people for who they are, you know, and stop just cutting off people for no reason, for ridiculous reasons. Right, exactly. You know? um, and I think that that's, the media is a big reason for that. Mm-hmm. Just like the media is a big reason that people believe these Georgia voter ID laws are racist. Yeah. When in reality, it's something that has been implemented in multiple states already. Mm-hmm. It's not a second coming of Jim Crow. And mm-hmm. to compare it to Jim Crow is absolutely ridiculous it's and insulting yeah. to what people went through. Mm-hmm. And absolutely. I know um, some of us watched the movie last night. Uh, we were watching Remember the Titans. And just the things that people went through are absolutely horrible. And to compare needing an ID to vote for the president of the United States or any elected official Mm -hmm. to what happened under Jim Crow and in the Jim Crow laws is absolutely insulting. Mm -hmm. And the right does have its issues, right? The right, um, like like we were talking about earlier, doesn't value or doesn't speak to minorities the way that the left does. Mm -hmm. The left comes in and they say, oh, you need help, we're here to help you. They overpromise and they underdeliver. Mm-hmm. Republicans just the right yeah. just doesn't promise. And I mean, Malcolm X sum- summarized it the best. Yeah, you know, I didn't agree with a lot of things he said, <laughs> but he did say, you know, that the white the white liberal is the one that poses to be the friend. Mm-hmm. And so that's something that people it's still happening. You know, and again, there's flaws on both sides, but you should be very wary of someone who says that you're a friend and just hurts you all the time exactly. it's like a toxic abusive relationship it's not okay exactly so. and it's just all of these lies like um even with immigration mm-hmm. who is most impacted by illegal immigration latinos even caesar chavez said that illegal immigration hurts latinos because most of the farmer jobs like most of the labor jobs are hispanics so it's just opening up our borders is a terrible idea. And plus, there's a line. You need to wait in line. And again, that doesn't mean that we don't reform our immigration. Right. That doesn't exactly. mean that we... And that's what I think people think is like, oh, well, you're saying we shouldn't change things at all. You're saying that there's no problems. No. You're saying that we should stop allowing people to come into this country. That's not at all what we're saying. <laughs> yeah, It's the exactly. opposite. We want people to come into this yes. country. I want people to have the opportunity to succeed mm-hmm. and be in America. Yeah. But... They need to come in the right way, and that requires, mm-hmm. first of all, securing our border mm-hmm. so that we can use funds that we are currently allocating to deport 
illegal aliens yeah. so that we can invest that into immigration law. And even more so, if people really say that they care about Latinos, that they really care about immigration and they really care about safety and all of that, then you'll want border control because human trafficking is terrible at the border. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely terrible in Mexico. And anyone who denies the issues that Mexico is having at the border, that we're having at our southern border, is an idiot because so many, like, bold. So, well, so many Hispanics are impacted by it. So many kids are trafficked, babies, um, young girls. It's tragic. Their mm-hmm. whole lives are ruined. Um, you know, so, so many of them get killed. Um, I did a podcast with my friend who's a DAC student. She was talking about that, about how people sell, like, body parts. It's bad. It is so, so bad. People underestimate the severity of it. Um, So if people really care about Hispanics, if they really care about those seeking a better future, they'll want border control and they'll want um, to address those issues. But And I think one thing with border control, just real quick, people that don't live in bordering states... Like that border that are on our southern border, they don't understand it. Like they don't have that life experience. Yeah. When I was growing up, my dad worked a mile from the border for months, mm-hmm. and he would see people come across the border illegally. Mm-hmm. He was robbed by them. Mm-hmm. So this is not something that is just like, oh, let's let everyone in and everyone will be happy. Wait, so your white privilege didn't stop you from? Oh yeah, no. Stop him from getting robbed. I know, right? I guess they just <laughs> hadn't gotten the memo yet. <laughs> I'm sure by now they have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's just such a real issue that people that haven't seen it or experienced don't understand. Mm -hmm. And it's something that needs to be addressed, something that, like you said, immigration reform needs to happen. Mm -hmm. But in states like Texas and California, they are much more likely to, citizens of those states are much more likely to be victims of sex trafficking, Mm -hmm. of job loss, Mm -hmm. right? Because that's... That's where the illegal immigrants come and they'll stay. Mm-hmm. And so people are affected disproportionately. American citizens are affected mm-hmm. by illegal immigration in an extremely negative way. Mm-hmm. And so addressing that, but finding a way that we can still care for others in our country and outside of our country. Because we can't care for those outside of our country until we learn to care for those here mm-hmm. already. I think that's our biggest thing that we need to work on. Yeah, we have so many domestic issues that we need to address that, like, we have to address. Like you said, we have to care for those in our country before. It's like if you're, if you have a home and it's chaotic inside, and either way, it, why would you just, no one would just leave, I mean, you're in Texas, so you guys leave things unlocked. Yeah, I leave my doors unlocked. But I'm from LA. We don't leave things unlocked. <laughs> I'm not going to just leave my front door open and let anyone in. You know, and anyone who thinks that that's okay, well, why don't you let all these people stay in your house? And right, see, exactly. Or see how you Why like do you it? have a fence outside of your house? Yeah, why do you have a security system? All the celebrities that have, you know, the cameras and the private security mm-hmm. detail. Oh, it's always the people who live in gay communities. Exactly, mm-hmm. that went open borders. Yep, makes no sense. I always find that very interesting. <laughs> yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. Um, and so, kind of ending on a, on a more fun note... <laughs> um, you were in Texas for the first time. Mm-hmm. You didn't really know what to expect. You've never yeah. never been here in, you know, the best state in the country. What is some of the what are what are some of the highlights? Well, my grandma's from Texas, so I always heard her talking about Texas as if it's its own country. Um, <laughs> like the Texas pride definitely it lived up to the hype of that my grandma everything surpassed my expectations <laughs> for Texas. Um, but everyone is so sweet and I think 
one of the things that was really neat to see was when I got picked up from the airport, there's so many American flags <laughs> and so much just pride and love for the country. And that's beautiful to see. I think it's just painted in such a negative light now. And to see just people of every color and just, um, so, I mean, it's different than LA. I won't say it's as diverse as LA, <laughs> um, but there is diversity. We've got more cowboys people. here. Oh, yeah, like you, mm-hmm. with your accent. But, okay. <laughs> but uh, everyone's so sweet. Everyone's so welcoming, and that um, I've just felt so embraced. And it's not like like a fake sweet. Like, people are genuinely, like, sweet. And so I just, I absolutely love it. It's so nice here. So Well, Texas, again, is the best state in the country, and I always say it's the best country in America. <laughs> wow. I've got my hat that says Make America Texas, and one day it'll happen. Oh, my gosh. But... No, thanks for coming on. I'm so glad you finally came to Texas um, and glad you got to come on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Hey guys, so if you like this video, like, share, and subscribe. Um, Make sure to go follow Noelle. You can find her on Instagram again at the link below um, or check out her podcast out of context. It is a great use of your time, I promise, and definitely something that you will look forward to every week. So until next Tuesday, hope you all have a great week.